0: Welcome to Season 4 of The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by TechSystems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to TechSystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show you can go to my website at gregkillstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book meaningful measurement of the customer experience now available on amazon and other retailers my name is greg killstrom and i'm the host of the agile brand podcast today we're going to talk about scaling startups and the importance that sales has in that process to help me discuss this topic i'd like to welcome paul rupert ceo of global point view who is the holder of two tech patents and has experienced scaling startups from zero dollars to valuations in the billions. Paul, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Greg, nice to be here. Thanks for the invitation to uh, have a conversation with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to talking about this topic with you. Um, so why don't we start by uh, you giving a little background on yourself and what you're currently doing. So I've spent
1: about the last 20 odd years in the mobile telecommunication space. Uh, specifically within a niche that most people really don't consider, which is text messaging. And I got into it very early on when I was an executive with a mobile network operator that everybody recognizes today as AT&T and had the opportunity to be involved in it on a global basis. I kind of quickly pivoted out after about five years of that experience, which was quite enriching, um, and uh, jumped into a startup. And that startup experience also was um, great timing in messaging. Uh, It was how to be able to send text messages beyond what's called the native GSM radio format into the non-native GSM radio formats, including CDMA, and TDMA, and Handyphone, and IDEN, et cetera. So you as a consumer recognize those technologies essentially as brands such as Verizon or AT&T 20 years ago, uh, or NTT Docomo in Japan. And we took that from uh, essentially scratch, what I called a cockroach startup back then. There were 12 Mm -hmm. of us. I got recruited into building the business out offshore because there was a greater opportunity to do that and the means to be able to go from zero to a billion instead of zero to one. And we can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, and, um, after selling the company off, we, I then started consulting back to the industry and the industry being not only the messaging industry, but enterprises who were looking to leverage text messaging as part of their engagement with consumers. So how you receive, for example, a two factor authentication, proving who you are, uh, when you get, uh, when you log into your, Google account, things of that nature. There are third parties that are able to enable that so that you can get that message wherever, however, whenever you'd like to receive it, uh, and as well as many, many other use cases. So that's the space that I'm in. And as I mentioned, um, I'm now a consultant back to enterprises as well as the community itself, the industry itself, providing insight on strategy, market entry, a lot of uh, Mergers and acquisitions these days, because of the growth and the consolidation that's going on in the space and the heat that's in the space.
0: Great. Well, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna touch on on a few different topics here that you, uh, you briefly mentioned there. So why don't we start by uh, talking about scaling businesses, which you certainly have some some great experience with, and particularly startups. Um, so let's. Talk about B2B, um, B2B startups. So in order to scale a B2B SaaS startup, you've gotta have skills in sales, right? So this includes a number of aspects such as negotiating, maintaining some level of control throughout the process and many more skills. What what tools and methods have you used that have led to the greatest success? So I think you need to take one step back before you get into the
1: go-to market and sales engagement process which essentially is the one step back is, um, are there factors that allow us to take advantage of a global business environment and the terrain in that we're gonna be operating in, as well as the value proposition that we're bringing to the market? In technology, uh, specifically in the telecommunications technology especially, there's this aspect called network effects. And network effects are essentially ...multipliers that exist because the value of a network, and there's actually a theorem behind it, it's called Metcalf's Law, which is the value of a network geometrically increases in value with the addition of each node to that network. So if you think about it, it's essentially how big are these mobile network operators that have 300 or let's say, uh, 160 million subscribers or upwards of almost a billion subscribers when you're talking about China mobile and how you're able to offer a service into their, their networks to uh, enhance the experience with their customer base. So if you're lucky enough, like I was, um, that. You a have an understanding of network effects and Metcalf's law and how you'd be able to leverage that. Most startups are usually thinking about how we can go from zero to one. You know the uh, adage of the minimal viable product. Uh, we looked at it a little differently. Uh, I put together a plan that was part of my coming into the company and convincing the board that we could do this, which was going from uh, going global from the start. And that's also codified in such things as uh, Reed Hoffman's book, which is called Blitzscaling. And if you're looking to do this, you should pick up Reed's book. Um, you know, in both cases, it's a matter of being able to take advantage of these capabilities and do it quickly. So that's why I say you step back to the strategy. And if the strategy is enhanced because of the terrain that you're entering, the market that you're entering, then go for it. Because you can go from zero to a billion. And there are companies that do that. And that's what we did. And um, we were able to take advantage of how we were able to uh, interconnect these various mobile network operators around the world. Now, in terms of selling processes, um, you know, I started selling stereos when I was in college and put myself <laughs> through my last two years of school. Um, and I was very lucky to be able to do it very well and it was like selling cars, uh, high margin, high volume, you know, meant that you could make a lot of money doing this, yeah. um, you know, a lot of money for a 22 year old, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And those techniques and those processes that I learned, you know, and I remember in the training program, we had to read a book by a guy named Tom Hopkins. These adages that Mr. Hopkins put on the table still exist, you know, notwithstanding the fact that it's now, a long time later, um, you know, this was 40 years ago when I was an undergraduate. You know, so those approaches, uh, processes work, but it still comes down to, as I used to put it, if you want to know, you got to go, which means you've got to have a relationship with your customer, uh, especially in a B2B context. Um, and to speak specifically to the startup, which was another modifier in your question, a um, great example and a great story, um, six months into the start of our company, uh, I was in Singapore and we got a deal done with Singtel and Singtel and Singapore are very interesting um, economic entities because Singapore is a massively large economy. You know, it punches way above its, its pay grade. I think it's the 11th largest trading partner with the United States, for example. And if you think about it, there are only about 6 million people in Singapore. And as a result of that economic power, um, they use telecommunications at a much higher level. And the telecommunications provider, Singtel, is one of the largest providers in the world and a significant entity. And we got a deal that uh, we closed deal that I was pitching to them. And what I had done is regularly took trips to Asia. And when I was there, the first time I met my counterpart, the guy that I was selling to, he initially said no. He had some reticence as uh, his risk factor was kind of like, "Well, you know, you're a startup. I'm not really sure you guys can manage this kind of stuff. You yeah. seem to be getting a lot of traction. Um, that's great that you got, you know, T-Mobile in the U.S. in the U.K. as a customer, and you've got Verizon, and you know." And I'd be telling them. That's all we need because once we have access and become the, uh, the sheriff or the Harbinger or the director for the messaging flow into Verizon, we will grow from there as the messaging volumes grow into the United States. That was kind of the pitch. Yeah. And, um, this was the fourth meeting. And so he said, yeah, um, I'd like to do this. And by that time I'd gotten quite acquainted with him on a personal level. You know, he was routinely seeing me almost every, 60 days, yeah. and I said, okay, um, now that you said yes, this is great news, uh, we're really pleased to be able to serve you going forward, I gotta ask you this, um, just in the context of who I am and how I look at things and how I can improve my my business selling skills. I'm like, why'd you go with us? And he was like very directly, he said, because you're here, your hmm. competitors aren't. Yeah. They call me sometimes in the middle of the night, my time, They have no sense of the time zone difference and yet you may be a startup but somebody's recognized that you've got to be here and they're floating that cost and you're not as much of a startup as you may think um the fact that you are here gives you you know great presence yeah and i was like wow okay and you know even in the context i'll i'll say this to those who might be listening as to the aspirational of gosh, how do I do this cross-border? You know, being in the U.S. market, it's such a large market. You can you can thrive in a market this size without ever having to go offshore or into Canada or into Mexico. Right. Um, but if you do, the scale becomes magnified, and if you're in a case like I was in terms of these uh, multiplier effects, it becomes ma- magnified very very quickly. Yeah. So world domination is within your grasp.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, another, I mean, to, to the point of, cause I was going to ask you, you know, how does someone kind of get, get started in this, in this realm, but you know, there's a couple themes already that I've heard um, that you're talking about is doing the work, right? So there's, I mean, there's great books out there. You know, I write books myself, so, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't want to disparage them, but you also, you did the work, you know, selling stereos in in high school, college. You did the work to travel, to be there in person. You know, is there, you know, in your experience, is there a substitute for you know just being there and, and doing that? I mean, I, no, I, yeah. Uh,
1: you know, so two points. Um, again, I can only speak to myself in my own personal journey. Yeah. Um, I was genetically predisposed to do what I do today. <laughs> What do I mean by that? Well, first off, I'm half French. and as a child, growing up, my mother used to drag me to Europe. you know, the first two times I felt like I was being dragged to Europe, going back to uh, France and visiting my grandparents and my family over there, etc. Um, but by the time that I was in middle school and had done about 10 years of this journey, uh, I started recognizing that my perspective on my own environment, in the United States, being a suburban kid in Cleveland, Ohio, was really different. And as an adult, I can say it was enriched because I had that perspective, you know, initially it was just France first two years or so. And then eventually my mother turned it into, um, taking the world, you know, the grand tour across Europe. So by the time that I was a junior in high school, when I finally revolted and said, no, I'm going to soccer practice the summer, as opposed to, no, I'm going to Europe with you. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd already gone to a number of different countries and seen different perspectives from Italy to Sweden, to the UK. Even back then, it was Czechoslovakia before the Czech, you know, before uh, the, the Russian, um, you know, the wall fell down, so to speak. So I had that advantage. Um, and then the other aspect was, um, again, back to seeing things in terms of their opportunities and looking beyond that, um, I had, again, a personal commercial advantage. One of the jobs I had inside Pacific Bell Mobile Services, as I mentioned, you know, one of the precursors yeah. to AT&T today, was being the international roaming director. What does an international roaming director do? Well, he negotiates B2B contracts with all the other mobile network operators around the world. Back then, we didn't do that on Zoom calls. My trips were two weeks to Europe, then I'd spend two to three weeks in the US because we were based in Silicon Valley, and then two weeks in Asia. And my job was to go off and negotiate both the technical connectivity as well as the commercial relationships with other mobile network operators around the world. So when I walked into a boardroom for a fledgling nascent startup that had just gotten a significant amount of money from the likes of Norwest Ventures and Mayfield, you know, two significant venture capitalists in the mm-hmm. Valley, um, I could speak with authority that this is what's going to happen based on what these guys want to do, which is how I got recruited into the opportunity. So, in my case, I had those advantages going into the market, um, as well as attitudinal. Um, you know, I used later on in my career, when I was in a larger enterprise in this space a company that's owned by the Carlisle Group called Cineverse, our motto was well, if you want to know, you've got to go. So, it wasn't like looking at a time or cost expense on the balance sheet as to, or, you know, your, your expense accounts to get somewhere, it was, we need to get this deal done with globe and smart in the Philippines, which means that we might have to be there for a week. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the fact that back to the lesson of um, some singtel presence matters, uh, you yeah. know, it, it that's just the nature of what we are as entities, as human beings. Um, it may yeah. be the souk and Marco Polo going through the, uh, um, you know, across to China, but it's still the same dynamics, whether it's a Zoom call or whether it's, you know, sitting down for coffee in Zambia, whatever it might be, it's still the same process in my view.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I mean, I think certainly for those even that aren't, to your point, that aren't necessarily needing to travel globally, there's still some lessons here as far as, Mm -hmm. you know, being, being present, showing up when you, when you can and, and, and doing that stuff. So
1: yeah. I-, I mean, you know, even, even selling stereos or, you know, I was talking to, um, one of your other compatriots as a podcast host, and he was a former, um, rental salesman for yeah. enterprise. And we were talking about same processes, but just different venues and different arenas. But the real lesson is the processes remain the same.
0: Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about um text uh, text messaging i mean you know one of your big areas of expertise so you have a couple uh patents related to it um what are some of the trends that you see here and with global telecoms that business leaders should be aware of sure the the migration
1: from text messaging we could go through its history but i don't think we have enough time <laughs> um the route ra- the 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 impact right now is we've gone from, let's call it single channel experience, which we've all experienced in terms of text messaging. And just as a marker here, uh, there are very few economic units that are measured annually in the tens and teens of trillions. And yet that's about how many text messages are in the ether over the course of a year right now, about 14 trillion a wow. year. Um, and a lot of those are obviously person to person, you know, us talking to each other, friends, family, et cetera. Uh, but by and large, now the large, uh, percentage of that are enterprise related or application to person, which translates into like computer to person type messaging, mm-hmm. you know, Got such it. things as two factor authentication, proving you are who you are to Google or Facebook, et cetera. And, What's happened now is because of the growing digitalization, the growing um, speed and processes within a mobile network, uh, you know, meaning a telephone network that we all utilize, we are now in an omni-channel experience. So that single-channel experience has migrated to an omni-channel experience, which means that there are multiple. Ex- multiple lines of communications, or otherwise known in the business as multiple platforms, so you're going to be hearing a term called CPaaS emerging more and more. CPaaS essentially stands for communications platforms as a service, mm. and as I mentioned, on a unified basis, you know the components of this are text messaging like SMS, but also voice like what you and I are doing right now, like a telephone call, which is what its root is, mm-hmm. but also video and video, not only because of pandemic, but before pandemic, you know, we had, um, video starting to gain traction in the mobile space, primarily because of faster speeds, broader, uh, wider broadband functionality, which created that additional feature, uh, for convenience, primarily for customers. And that's a, big factor in all this, but also you then layer in another element called OTT. So if you're utilizing WhatsApp, or if you're in China, utilizing WeChat, or WeChat, as it's called, Line, Kakao, Viber, these are all these various providers. Those are all OTT engagements. And then even legacy email falls into this platform of platforms. Mm -hmm. And that's what's that's what the industry is now presenting to enterprises, so that they can have a better uh, line of communication with their customers, their consumers. And so, what we've done is gone from fragmented, data siloed communications channel channels that are kind of difficult to manage as. These various, they are various technologies, you know, and what that translates into at root is a substandard experience for their customer. Yeah. Um, so what do we want to do that's right for the customer? Well, if we can bring these all together so that a customer can engage with its, and with the enterprise and vice versa on an anywhere, anytime, or any way basis, we've got, you know better iteration across all kinds of aspects of the customer journey whether it's marketing or sales or authentication that we were talking about or reminders um, there are a multitude of interactions telehealth um, financial services all of these this wide variety of use cases are now being unified and being brought together and the companies that i used to be involved in like a rank cockroach startup well, the irony now is 20 years later, these are billion dollar entities yeah. and they are looking to provide wider and wider capabilities. And that's why we are now offering this unified cloud-based platform for omni-channel communications. So that's what you're gonna be seeing and hearing, um, probably not in advertising, but if you are active as you know in the B2B space on um, agencies, marketing, um financial services a whole you know insurance telehealth as I just mentioned there are many many different types of use cases um, you're gonna find that this is the vehicle and the platform in which text messaging has matured into these days
0: yeah I mean and this this really reflects I mean I, I work with uh you know a few fortune 500s right now on doing I mean I there's a number of roots of this. I mean, so I come more from the marketing and and digital experience background, but so Mm -hmm. content management, you know, enterprise content management, it's, it, it seems very different. And yet what you're talking about is at the end of the day, customers, they don't, you know, if they have their phone in front of them, that's what they use. If they have their laptop in front of them, that's what they use. You know, they, they they're not deciding to connect with a brand on a certain device. They're just, they're using what's most convenient or what's in front of them and, and stuff like that yeah. And yeah when you enter into personalization and autumn automation and journey orchestration all of this you know this fun stuff i get to work with with you know with with some of my consulting clients all of a sudden to your point you start seeing, oh well why is all of this stuff siloed right if we really are interested in the customer experience Let's, you know, let's, let's create great content. And then the customer kind of decides where they see it. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? That's exactly the case.
1: Yeah. No question about it. You know, it, it personalizes it. It makes it much faster than it is today. There is a div- an element of self-service components in it, asynchronicity, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, and that's why people have specific preferred channels. And the other aspect is, you know, I'm a trailing boomer. Um, you might be a millennial, you know, then you've got Gen Z's, et cetera, and they all utilize the same device, meaning a mobile handset a little differently. I yeah. have no concerns about having a telephone call and a voice conversation with someone and others just don't want to do that. They'd rather send a text. right? Uh, and so that, that, um, disconnected or that arm's length perspective, different generations. But guess what? At the end of the day, you're still serving the customer um with the same need. The customer is just engaging you on a different platform and a different channel. Yeah, so yeah. from the back end behind the curtain, you've got to have these uh consumer data programs and platforms that are able to bring together these this siloed information. So it not only serves the enterprise, but eventually, you know, the bottom line is it has to make it more life more convenient, more welcoming, uh, and serving the end customer experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, this is talked about quite a bit here. So one, one last question before we, before we wrap up, and uh, you've touched on a few things along these lines throughout, but, you know, let, let's go back to that, um, that startup uh, that's, you know, just getting off the ground. Um, you know, what would your advice be to someone at that early stage to really just, you know, ensure their mm-hmm. greatest chance of success?
1: Greatest chance of success. I, I used to talk about this, you um, Fairly regularly, as we started to grow, you you started getting growth spurts, um, and I uh, started characterizing ourselves as a dragon, because and long before you know the uh, the television show, I've even forgotten it, Game of Thrones.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh right, right. <laughs>
1: dragons shed skins, and they become bigger, and each time they shed a skin, they get bigger and bigger and bigger, and we would grow through these these growth spurts if you want to call them or we had to shed a skin and part of the shedding the skin we also had to pivot because we recognized that um what we were doing had to be modified if we wanted to continue to stay ahead of the game ahead of the game meaning serve the customers with capabilities I hadn't thought about as well as being able to keep the The competitors at bay. And one of those steps was going global from the beginning because most of our competitors at this stage, and you know, you very rarely have a technology breakthrough with just one entity. You know, there are green shoots that start to develop because of the fertile aspects of the territory the opportunity you know people are thinking the same even though they might be seated in different places yeah. but most of those competitors we had were not thinking globally they were confining and defining their their terrain of operation as just being in the US market first maybe Canada next meanwhile we we went for it all by yeah. just getting on planes to go to Europe instead of Los Angeles or go to, you know, Hong Kong and Singapore and Japan, those would be the two things. And, um, you know, I worked with a guy who, um, was a former green beret and he kind of introduced me to the model of the special air squadron in the UK, which is who dares wins. Mm. So don't hold yourself back. Yeah. Uh, you know, back to and pick up Reed Hoffman's book. I mean, I, I'm I'm not trying to slog it, but uh, when I read it the first time, I'm like, yeah, I did that, I did that, I did that, I did nice. that. <laughs> you know, which was about ten years after I'd done it. Um, you know, nice. but it articulates the mindset, it articulates the techniques um, and the approaches, and um, you know, laying out a plan that if you fit the criteria, i.e., network effects uh, you can really, you can hit the long ball. Let's call it that.
0: Wonderful. Well, Paul, thanks so much for joining. Uh, for those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with you and what you're doing?
1: Well, uh, I can be reached on LinkedIn. Uh, my full name is Paul R Rupert, R-U-P-P-E-R-T. Uh, I also have a website, which is globalpointview.com. Uh, and, um, but LinkedIn is probably the best way. And love talking to companies and individuals who are inside companies who need help. I'm not a transactionist. Uh, if I can help you in any way I can, reach out to me.
0: Cool. Well, again, I'd like to thank Paul Rupert, CEO of Global Point View, for joining the show. Thanks for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkillstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile.